0: Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on the podcast, who's calling in from the L.A. area, is my friend Emmett Claren. Welcome to the podcast, Emmett.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Um, we're going to start with prayer. Emmett is a transgender Latter-day Saint, and we're gonna, he's going to offer the prayer for, to start this podcast, so I'll turn it over to you, Emmett. And no one close your eyes, that's doing something important. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so very grateful for this wonderful day and for this time that we have to come together uh, during this podcast. Father, we ask that thy spirit may be with us, that things that are said that are meant to be shared. I pray that whoever is listening will be able to relate to the things that are said today and that hopefully our words can help someone. Father, we ask that our minds may be open and our hearts may be softened to understanding. And Father, we're so very grateful for all of our many blessings. So very grateful for Brother Osler for inviting me to be a part of this. And, Father, we love thee so very much and, again, are grateful for all of our many blessings. And we pray for these things in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Emmett. Um, thank our listeners for joining. Some of you may be listening to a podcast for the first time with the transgender man. And, and um, in fact, for me, Emmett is the very first transgender person I listened to because I watched his video when he spoke about his journey at Affirmation. And it was a point in my journey as an ally that I just had kind of wiped my hard drive clean and decided I'm not going to let cisgender people tell me about transgender people. I'm going to let transgender people tell me about mm. transgender people. And so my it was just sort of like this hard drive. It was just waiting for new information. And that's what Emmett did for me and now many transgender Um, people and I've learned a lot and I made a lot of mistakes and I've wondered some I've asked questions that are maybe not the best and I may have added to the load of transgender people in this journey but they've been really patient with me because they've sensed my sincere desire to learn and Emmett's been doing a lot of this he's been in a lot of podcasts and there's a lot of videos if you google his name Emmett E-M-M-E-T-T Claren, C-L-A-R-E-N Yes, (laughs) Yes, Ian, <laughs> yeah, I can't read my own writing. You would find a lot of content. So just by way of introduction, this is Emmett telling his story so that all of us can learn better about um, our transgender friends. Emmett, um, dad joined the church when Emmett was four years old living in California. He has a brother and a mother and um, served a mission. He served a mission as a sister missionary in Salt Lake City. And it, was, it will talk about the gender dysphoria that he had for a long time and then transitioned. So when I say a transgender man, that is someone that identifies as male, that is using a male name and male pronouns. and And I try not to wonder, you know, the degree of transitioning or if he meets some sort of visual or hurdle. I just, when I hear someone that's transgender, just out of a principle of respect, I just call that person by their desired name, it doesn't cause, cost me anything to do that. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do. But um, um, Emmett, four months ago, moved to California. We're recording this in October. And how warm was it today in California for our listeners, Emmett? Thank <laughs>
1: I don't even want to know, but it's hot enough that I've been, like, sweating all day.
0: I know. It's like 85, 90, 95 degrees in Southern California. It's ridiculous. It's going to be November here pretty soon. It is kind of ridiculous. And um, Emmett's pursuing his dreams as an acting career, and I think that's awesome. And also has a job um, catering at UCLA. But Emmett, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you asking me to be a part of this. Um, you know, you've you've always been so kind and respectful to not only me, but also the trans community. And um, so I, I just felt super privileged when you asked.
0: Well, thanks. Um, tell us, kind of start with, you know, your first, just tell us your story with gender dysphoria when you kind of recognize that there was, a mismatch or dysphoria—it or it was just uncomfortable. Kind of talk through your typical story you'd share in to a new listener, and I'll just try to be quiet.
1: <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> um, yeah, so I—I I always knew um, from a very, very young age that I was different. Um, I, you know, I wanted to do all the things that my my brother was doing. He was two years younger than me, and you know, we would always. Uh, play games and everything that he did I wanted to do, every you know, every character he played, I wanted to be a guy character too. And, you know, it um I guess it may have seemed like a like a childhood phase. Um but it you know, we would we'd play these games and I always asked him to call me a boy name. You know, today I'll be James or today I'm I'm Michael. Uh or, you know, he and he would go along with it and he would Call me boy names, and we play. And I would just be like another dude. <laughs> and we got older, and uh, it was just something I always wanted to play the dad. I always wanted to be a boy. Um, I always wanted my hair cut short. I didn't like my name uh, because it was very feminine. And um, I remember the times that I was like the happiest was when I got to wear boy clothes, uh, which was typically around like Halloween. Uh, and like when I was, uh, five years old, I got to dress up as a boy for Halloween and my mom drew a mustache on my face and pulled my hair back and I got to wear my brother's clothes and I was just so happy. And, uh, I, I tried to, I wanted to do that like every single year, um, And then, you know, growing up, uh, I, I hit puberty when I was 12 and (laughs) my body started to change dramatically and in ways that were very, very, very uncomfortable, uh, for me. I, I developed very wide hips and, um, my breath started to come in and I, I just, I became extremely uncomfortable in my body and I remember not wanting girls at school to know that I was a girl. So I used to like try and put two or three bras on at a time or wear hoodies to cover my chest because I just, I didn't want them to see me developing into a woman. And going through my adolescent years was really difficult because I knew that I felt this way, that I felt like, you know, I, I didn't feel right being in a girl's body and also at the same time I was also learning that I was attracted to women and so it was two things and I just felt like there was something wrong with me and I didn't know how to talk to my parents uh, about it you know that my parents are very conservative uh, Mormons and um, I grew up in a very small town in Wisconsin and it was also very conservative, I and mean, you just don't talk about this kind of stuff. So, uh, when I got into high school, I just I got really depressed because I, you know, had these feelings for uh, for girls, and also I just I hated my body. I hated who I saw in the mirror. And when I was fourteen, I tried to take my life for the first time, and uh we had just moved to Nebraska, and i my parents wanted to know what was going on, and I just blamed it on the moves that I wasn't making friends, you know, tried to come up with an excuse uh because again how <laughs> how on earth was I gonna talk to my parents about this? so I kept it a secret, and um when I got into My junior year of high school, I started dating uh, a girl kind of behind my parents' back, and they ended up finding out when I was 17, and so I, you know, I came out to them as being lesbian, uh, because that was really the only thing that I I knew for sure. I didn't know, uh, I didn't actually hear the word transgender until I uh, was in my senior year of high school. And I met my, uh, I had a friend who, she came out to me as being trans herself, but she said, you know, I feel like a a, a girl trapped in a, in a boy's body, and I was like, holy cow, that's how I feel, but the exact opposite, you know, I I, I feel like a boy trapped in a, in a girl's body, and uh, I wanted to you know dive into this and and do more research, but I, I couldn't really. Google this kind of stuff without my parents finding out and they weren't super accepting of me even being, you know, a lesbian. Uh, so I, I was going through all these struggles and I, I tried doing some research on, you know, being trans because it felt really like it really resonated with me and, uh, I ended up saying something to my parents about it uh right before I left on my mission (laughs) um and it did not it was not received very well so I kind of like took it back and it's just like ah never mind never mind never mind um yeah no I'm I'm not I'm not trans also I'm not going to be a lesbian I'm I'm gonna you know do the right thing which you know in quotes the right thing and I decided to prepare for a mission. And I just wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel like I could make my parents proud of me. I didn't want them to be disappointed in me for being different. Um, and I guess to backtrack to where like the depression really got bad was when i was in um i was in middle school and i used to i used to pray to god every single night uh and i would beg him to turn me into a boy i would i would kneel by my window and i would stay up sometimes till like three in the morning thinking that if i stayed up as late as possible you know he really would bless me and i would just like stare out of my window and and sit there and just pray and pray and pray please when i when i wake up in the morning please let me be a boy please when i when i wake up take my boobs away just please i just i'll do anything you want i'll be as, as good as you possibly want and i basically just try to almost like barter with god and every morning i'd wake up and nothing had changed and I just started to feel like God hated me. And I I kept doing this, I kept doing this, and then I, I'd go to the football field behind my house and I would I'd lay down in the grass, I'd look straight up into the sky and I just lay there and I I would ask him, Please, you know, strike me down with lightning. I'll take whatever pain you want me to feel, anything you want me to feel, I will go through it, I will suffer for as long as you want. If you'll just, if you'll just turn me into a boy and again, nothing, nothing would happen. And that's when my depression really started because I felt like not only do I hate myself, but God hates me too. And, uh, so to fast forward back to me preparing for my mission, I felt like if I served a mission, God would bless me and would make me normal, would take away my feelings of feeling like a boy in a girl's body and also would make me attracted to men. And I also wanted to serve because I had a very strong testimony of the gospel. So I left on my mission uh, in uh, 2013 and I uh, served in Salt Lake City, Utah for 18 months as a sister missionary. And the feelings did not go away. (laughs) I was attracted to multiple companions and the multiple sister missionaries. I was so uncomfortable wearing a skirt or a dress every day. I didn't like being called sister. I always tried to cover up my chest with sweaters and layers, because I hated. I hated my chest. I hated my body, but I tried to, do the best that I could, and I tried to fit in and be accepted. And so, you know, I overcompensated with lots of makeup, and I always did my hair, and tried to be girly and feminine like my my mm-hmm. companions. And uh, about halfway through my mission, I ended up uh, coming out to my mission president as being attracted to women, and he was very kind and and loving. But you know, said not to you know we need to not act on those feelings and uh, i got set up with a therapist on the mission and we worked through a lot of stuff which was really great but i just became more and more depressed because the closer i got to the end of my mission i started to realize like the next step for me is marriage to a man in the temple I will be a wife and a mother, I will have children, and that is my future. And it just felt so wrong to me. So I came home, and I uh, prepared to go to BYU-Idaho, and when I got up there, I was doing everything right, everything by the book. I, I went to the temple weekly. I was in the Relief Society Presidency. I was dating lots of boys, uh, just trying to do everything right. I also was seeing a therapist who was trying to help me with my <laughs> same sex attraction and trying to help me not be attracted to women. And my depression just got worse and worse and worse. To the point that I was starting to become suicidal again. And I, uh, I actually got, (laughs) I, I, I was going back in and in doing my research again on, on being trans and it really just, it felt right to me. It was just like, I feel this way. This is me. Uh, but I uh, I didn't know what to do with that information so I I started coming out a little bit to some of my friends roommates bringing this up and they were just like well we love you but you know maybe maybe this is something you can get through maybe this is just a temporary thing and you know and Uh, I know that they had good intentions, but it just made me feel worse about myself. And um, I took this information to my therapist, and I told her, you know, I really do believe that I'm trans, and I would like to transition. And she said, well, if this is the direction that you want to go, I can no longer help you. And she stopped talking, and basically just like, Oh, our meeting's over. So I left and she never referred me to anyone else. She just dropped me. And, uh, that point I felt extremely rejected and again, tried to take my life. I did not see any hope for me. And, uh, my life was very, very dark. There were nights that I would walk around campus just crying and sobbing and asking god why but why was i born this way why does he hate me so much and i was just miserable so i started going to the temple every day trying to figure out what to do with my life because i just i wanted to die every single day i wanted to die And I remember one day I went to the temple with my roommate and we were doing baptisms for the dead. And I was sitting there in the pew and I had this very distinct feeling come over me. It was very calming, very warm, very comforting. And this thought that came into my head was that my spirit is male and that I am God's son and that he loves me. And at that moment I knew everything was going to be okay. God loved me. He did not hate me like I thought he did, but there was a reason for me being born in a female body. And uh, I remember when I was sitting there, I was just taking this all in and my roommates were looking at me because all of a sudden I had this huge smile on my face and I just was just overcome with so much joy. And they asked me, are, are you okay? And I was like, I, I really am. And I I just had like this sense of purpose, like God knows who I am. Everything's going to be okay. So I decided to go to my bishop and come out to him as trans and also as being attracted to women and he responded so well it was shocking to me he uh when we talked about my feelings and how i believe that i uh that my spirit is male and that i'm trans and i was born in a female body for a reason um whatever reason that is and he just read me the like the small section in the in the church handbook about what it says about trans people and then he said okay well you know how about for the, for the next week you just be yourself uh, you know don't wear makeup don't do your hair dress how you want to dress just be yourself and we'll meet in a week and talk about it so i i did that for a week i just like put my hair in a beanie I didn't wear makeup. I flattened my chest and just was very androgynous. And I just like saw myself as a boy and uh, just walked around like a guy. And I came back a week later and he's like, how, how'd you feel? And I was just like, I, I felt amazing. I had no suicidal thoughts this week. And that was the first time in in months like that. I finally was just like no suicidal thoughts and he said okay this this is a very personal thing and this is you know this is between you and god uh and he suggested that the stake president come in and we have a meeting with him and so i met with the stake president and the stake president suggested that we fast all three of us and then he would give me a blessing the following week so we ended up all three of us fasting the following Sunday and then they administered a blessing and I was expecting my stake president to say something along the lines of, you know, this is a phase, you'll get through it. This is a trial, you know, just be strong or something, something to the effect of, you know, don't transition. And he actually said, you will be guided to know what to do. And so after the blessing, you know, I, 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 said, I really believe that I need to transition and they were supportive. They said, again, this is, this is between you and God, you will be guided. And, you know, they wished me the best. My, my Bishop was even like, I'll, I'll make sure they don't kick you out of school here. I'll let you stay. Like, I don't want you to leave. I want you to be able to be yourself. And, and, and I, I was so grateful for that, but I also knew like, (laughs) I'm not going to be able to stay and transition. So from that point on, I, I prepared to leave. I, I gave all of my clothes away to my roommates. Uh, anything girly that I had, I just gave it all away. And one night uh, in the middle of the night, I took a, a bus down to Utah and that's
0: where I started my transition. Wow. Um, thanks for sharing so much of that. I remember some of that story now, Emmett, um, that I saw in a video a few years ago. And um, I just, I, I, you know, the things that struck me and maybe some of our listeners is your emotional health. If I kind of go to your emotional health and how, poor that was for so long and how this wasn't just a short term gender dysphoria but this long term feeling through multiple stages of your life mission, -mission, pre-mission, post-mission and then the feelings, the personal revelation you received I just honor that Um, I part of my belief about personal revelation is my personal revelation doesn't become yours and I don't have a standing to judge your personal revelation and so the way I just, I love what your priesthood leaders do. did. They probably recognize as you, and we'll talk about this maybe in the podcast, as you go through stages of transition, it becomes harder to fully participate in the church. And um, mm-hmm. I, I recognize that too, um, but they didn't make it about that. They just seemed to make it about, you know, helping you make the very best decisions you could and keeping you connected with God. And so I think those priesthood leaders did the right thing. And I think you did the right thing by having the courage to open up to them. And then I think I've always felt like um, this sort of the, you know, if we know it's true doctor and then it brings blessings in our lives. So I look at your personal revelation you received and it, it, you know, everything I have seen is that you're emotionally better off and more productive and happier. And, and so to me, the, you know, the fact that the gender dysphoria is ending or over as you transition. To me, that's, you know, a good for, tree can't bring forth bad fruit and a good and the other mm-hmm. way around. And so I just see that your life is better off, and I'm at peace with that. Um, talk about transitioning, then. You come to Salt Lake City, and sometimes, I'm not sure I got these three types of stages. There's kind of a social transition. I, I don't know if that's the right mm-hmm. word. That's a... A name there can be a legal transition and there can be a medical transition. Um, I'm not sure if those are the right three, if there's more, if I've named them correctly, but just kind of talk us now through beginning transitioning.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had to start out with my social transition, uh, which was very difficult. Um, at first, I uh, I started my coming out when I was at BYU-Idaho and I just, I told a few select people in person. Um, I wanted it to come from me and didn't want them to find out from other sources. Cause I was, a, I was planning on putting out a YouTube video, which was my very first YouTube video where I ended up uh, coming out. And so I, I told a few people up at BYU Idaho, I did come out to my parents over the phone. um, And it was hard for them to understand. Um, So I just wanted to, you know, give them some time. And uh, I did end up coming out on YouTube. And Facebook, I think at the same time, uh, because I wanted it all to make sense. Um, so I like explained it with like a, a Facebook post and then posted my YouTube video and, um, and at that point I thought that my parents were okay, but I guess they weren't. Cause once I posted my YouTube video, uh, they did not react very, they didn't take it very well. Um, just because i uh, it not it not only affects you know you when you come out, it affects the people around you, your family, and I guess i I didn't realize that my family was going to start being asked questions once my video came out, and that my siblings were going to get asked questions, so my parents were very upset, and you know they they did not want to talk to me for a while. And that was really hard to deal with. Um, But I noticed, you know, coming out socially, like all over social media and everything, I lost a lot of friends. And I, I say that in quotes because I learned who my real friends really are, my true friends. And honestly, for every person that I lost, I gained like 10 people into my life. And so it was, it was honestly a blessing to know like who my true friends really were, who my real, like my family was. I just gained like this family Um, and it was incredible. All the people that were so kind to me and um, supportive Uh, and Yeah. So that that was my like social transition. I had to come out. Like people would start to hear like, you know, this is my name. It's Emmett, Michael Claren. I use he, him, his pronouns. Uh, I'm not going to be offended. You know, if you slip up, like it's it's a transition for everybody, like I'm not the only one transitioning here. Everybody is going to have to transition (laughs) because you're all used to, you know, my old name and my old pronouns. So I just tried to be very patient with everybody because I was just like, you know, I've had my whole life to come to terms with this, and you're all finding out overnight. So I totally understand, like, if you need time to get used to it. So that was kind of like what my social transition was, was like.
0: Um, teach our listeners about he, him, and, and some people take on the uh, the pronoun they. I don't know if you do and if you... Do or not, but can you just teach our listeners why some do?
1: Yeah. uh, So, uh, for those of us who are who consider themselves binary, uh, binary being um, he and she, uh, female, male. uh, You know, there's female typically identifies as she, her, hers, um, and male identifies as he, him, his pronouns. Uh, and then those who are non-binary, uh, they, like I have, I have, uh, lots of friends who identify as non-binary and for every person it's, it's kind of different, but for some I know it's like, they don't just solely identify with the feminine or just the masculine. They're, they're very fluid. Some, some days they feel more. Uh, masculine or some days they feel more feminine or they feel more feminine but there's still some masculinity in there and they don't want to completely rule that out um so some people don't feel comfortable strictly going by uh he pronouns or or she pronouns so they they just like to be referred to as they or them or or theirs so uh that way they don't put a gender on themselves um, for some people I know it's just because they're they're just trying to figure out what feels more comfortable to them um, and so I, I know I, I, I myself struggle just because I, 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 I was so good at English in, in school that when I use they I always think of plural and uh, but now it's being used as a pronoun so I have like using it in a sentence sometimes I'm a little awkward but um I feel like if people aren't super comfortable with being referred to as he or she, then they is like a really good middle ground. That's very helpful. It's neutral.
0: Yeah, that's very helpful. And even the grammar we're saying it's a pronoun that in a yeah. it refers to a singular person. That's very helpful. And it sounds like you don't take on the pronoun they because you're binary. Um yeah. because you're male. And so um, just like I don't. <laughs> I'm male, um, and I <laughs> yeah. see myself as male. Um, so that's helpful on the social transition. And I've learned, yeah, to me it doesn't. Co- I've said this at the beginning to just accept. And I recognize if I'd known you as a sister missionary, it would take me a while to learn the name Emmett. Uh, I did all I know from you know my whole experience with you is as Emmett as a man. Um, he him. So obviously I don't make the mistake, but I recognize your kindness to people that takes a little bit of time and it's kind of a transition for everybody, not just you. Um, but i mm-hmm. just just calling you by your preferred name, to me I can't imagine God, you know, can being sorry or, you know, not condemning me at a later point for just extending that courtesy to you. I don't know of any doctrine I'm not supporting um You know, just because I I just look at the way Christ taught every, treated everybody and, and think I can just extend that same courtesy to you. Um, Talk about legal and medical um, stages of transition, whichever or wherever you want to go with telling your story.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, once I was out to everybody and I was starting, I just started living like my life as Emmett Claren. Um, I started getting, like, boy clothes from uh, DI and dressing in clothes that, like, I felt super comfortable in. I felt masculine in. I got my hair cut. Uh, it was really, really affirming to be able to go into a barbershop and say, I want this haircut, like, for the first time, to ask for a man's haircut and get it and then just look in the mirror and feel like yeah that's a that's a handsome guy looking back at me and just it just it felt so good like even though I looked like a 12 year old boy it was an amazing feeling to 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 see like a young man in the mirror um and it was a little bit difficult just because I would get looks um people would look at me on the bus or at the store and try and figure it was like you could tell like they were trying to figure out is that a girl is that a is that a boy is that a girl dressed like a boy what what's going on here something something's off and um and you know and i get mammed all the time and i just just like i just gotta get through this and it's fine. i mean my voice was really high still like i hadn't started any hormone therapy so Um, I was very anxious (laughs) to start my um, medical transition. And so uh, I I met with a doctor who treated, she treats a lot of trans patients uh, in Salt Lake City. And um, I was able to go over everything with her. And she explained to me like, you know, this is, this is what's going to happen once you start hormones uh, and it's, you know, it's called uh, HRT, which is hormone replacement therapy. And for um, trans men like me, uh, we take uh, testosterone as our uh, hormone. Uh, so I met with my doctor. She told me all of the like side effects, all of the, permanent changes that would happen and I just had to know exactly like what I was getting myself into Um, and I absolutely 100% knew that this was this was right for me and I even documented my first (laughs) t-shot and I put that on YouTube as well and I docu- I actually documented my my transition. Um, I I made a video every month for a year, documenting like my voice dropping, my voice getting deeper, uh, any facial hair that I was starting to get, uh, just like little changes, uh, the way that my body was changing, the way that uh, because it, it, I was basically going through second puberty. So, but as a boy, this time. And so I documented all of that. And I also took a picture of my face every day for two years and also put a time-lapse video together and put that up on YouTube as well. And it was really nice because at times during my transition, when I felt like oh, I'm not changing enough, I don't look like a boy enough, uh, I was able to look through the time-lapse and and watch the time-lapse and, and see how much I had changed. And that was, that was very, very helpful with mm, helping me feel comfortable. And, um, yeah, so I started hormones and, uh, and I also prepared for, you know, top surgery to have my breasts removed uh, because they, I was wearing a binder. And a binder is like a really, really good thick type tank top that compresses your chest and flattens it. And it's not good for you. Like, it it doesn't – I remember I had problems with breathing and um, I hurt my ribs doing that. Um, But I wanted my chest flat. So uh, for people who transition – typically if they want to pursue a medical transition they will have they will start the, the hormones they will have um, top surgery and then there's other surgeries as well um, that are gender affirming and uh, some people decide not to do all the surgeries some people don't even do any of the surgeries they just do the hormones or some people do the surgeries and don't do the hormones it's just it's up to each individual how they want to do it for me, I was just, I felt very much like the more masculine that I appeared and the more masculine, like what I saw in the mirror as, you know, being masculine, that made me feel more comfortable in my body. And so I, I wanted to do everything that made me feel comfortable. And what I love is being able to look in the mirror and see. A guy's reflection, and feel like my spirit is happy, and I, I feel like I'm just getting closer and closer to looking like the way that my spirit looks. It's it, it, it's such an incredible feeling. I uh, for the I just I'm so <laughs> so jealous of those who are cisgender who do feel comfortable completely in their bodies as, you know, in their sex, uh, that their, their bodies and their spirits match completely. I I don't know how to really explain the way that I feel. It's just, it's a wonderful feeling to be able to, to see myself in the mirror.
0: Um, thanks for sharing that. It's pretty personal and um, and you've shared that a lot and I just love some of the things that you've done I love the way you've documented this. I love the <laughs> every day of two year time lapse. Uh, I just, as I see, occasionally see you on Facebook, and I just, you know, I can tell you're male. I mean, I just look at you and I see a man. And um, but I don't even I, you talk about the term passing because some of my trans friends have talked to me about passing. Obviously, mm. you pass and. Um, how important that is, but just talk about passing and what that what that term means and to our listeners. Yeah,
1: yeah. So passing basically is when a person who is trans uh, gets to a point in their transition where they present as their gender. Um, so, like for the longest time, I wasn't passing. Uh, my voice was very high. I, my facial structure was very feminine. Everything about me was girl. And, um, when I started my transition, I just looked like a girl in boy clothes. Um, and then I was able to, a few months into my transition, I could walk down the street wearing boy clothes just presenting as myself and everyone would just say, Oh, that's a guy. So, um, yeah, now I, I just, I'm there are days where sometimes <laughs> I forget. I'm trans cause I just, I don't think about it. Uh, I just see a guy when I look in the mirror, uh, other people around me just see a guy. Most people that I know, they don't know that I'm trans unless they look at my Instagram or cause I'm very, very open about who I am on my Instagram page. That's where I'm the most active. And, uh, yeah, people don't know that I'm trans until they like find my social media, my YouTube videos. They Google me. They, they don't know unless I tell them. And even when I tell people, they don't believe me. Like I have to somehow like, I have to prove it <laughs> because they don't, they don't believe me, which is, it is such a blessing and such a privilege to be able to pass. Uh, so, and again, that's just one of the many things that I, I just don't take it for granted to be able to to look in the mirror and see a, a guy looking back at me. Um,
0: how long did it take until most you passed most of the time? Well...
1: I want to say, because I feel like it started around three months, people just thought I was, like, very young, like a very young boy um, going through puberty. But I think around six months is when I felt like I really was just like, yeah, I'm just a guy, and no one no one thinks anything of it.
0: Yeah, and I just recognize all, all trans people are on a different um... – journey to pass in a different time frame, and and sometimes yeah. I'll meet someone like you that's later that I, you're right, you would pass, I wouldn't even know you're trans, and sometimes I meet someone early um, that's more obvious they're trans, but I try not, you know, it's just me talking to the listeners, not to you, Emmett, but I just try not to go there and, and sort of judge the level of passing, or even if it's uncomfortable for me. To see someone mm-hmm. in the early stages of transitioning, sometimes that can be uncomfortable for um, typical cisgender person. But then I sort of go back in my mind and I say, well, you know, even though they're in this early stages and it seems kind of awkward, it it sort of validates to me how important it is them to transition because they probably know it's awkward too, and they probably know yes. they're not passing all the time, and people look at them in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. So to me, I just, it almost in a way for me, Emmett um, makes me realize this is the real deal. And if someone's willing to go through this, um, I can't imagine me transitioning to be female because it would be terrible for me. And I, why would I ever want to do that unless I really felt this long-term gender dysphoria and was choosing between suicide and depression and, or transitioning and having people look at me kind of funny, but knowing that that was better than the alternative. So that's just kind of how I processed it. And I try to be uh, really kind as I see everybody and not try to, and there's probably people I see that aren't transitioning that for whatever reason, they look like they might be. (laughs) And Mm I'm just trying to see everybody as heavenly father's child. That's worthy of my love and friendship and support. And we're all just kind of on a journey together. Um, yeah. Is any is all that okay, or do you have any uh, cl- correction or additional information to add? Um.
1: Let's see. I think. Uh. I, yeah. I I agree with what you were saying earlier. You know, everyone has their own journey, and at the beginning of mine, I know I got a lot of weird looks because people just couldn't figure out what I was doing, and. Um. I think once people started like to actually talk to me and listen to my story, people started to understand. Like, oh, okay, you're not weird. You're just like a normal human being, and you're you are having you know this is something that is really hard for you. And again, to to go along with what you were saying about um, how hard it is, you know, to transition, and why would anyone just do that? If they weren't you know if this wasn't real, uh, like, like I said, I lost a lot of people. I lost a lot of friends. and not only did I lose them, I had people who I thought were my friends, who, when I came out, attacked me verbally and sent me really just disgusting, terrible messages. People who were from my mission, people who I, I'd known for years, people that I thought were my real true friends, talked about me behind my back. Uh, and just, and then I, you know, I, I got, you know, the nasty comments on my YouTube videos and terrible messages from people. And when like Fox news came out and all the other articles started coming out, terrible, terrible comments. They always say, never read the comments, but I did. And I shouldn't have, um, because there were just so many negative there was, there were so many negative comments and, and people can just be so cruel. Um, and, and then to have, you know, my parents not taking it, uh, the greatest at first and, uh, having the, having people look at me weird and, and not want to talk to me or think that I'm some sort of creep or that I'm weird. Um, being just in these uncomfortable, awkward situations all the time. Uh, before I started my legal transition, where you know I'd be at work and my legal name before I transitioned, like would come up, and people be like, "Oh, why? What, what? What is this name? What? What's this girl name?" And and just all of those awkward, uncomfortable situations. All of that is just like, and then on top of all of that, how much money it costs. to to do hormones and surgeries and the legal changes to change your name and your gender marker and everything. It's like, why on earth would a person go through all of this if it wasn't real? I struggled a lot at the beginning of my transition. It was so hard. But the thing that really helped me get through all of that was I knew that God knows who I am I felt that confirmation. I received that confirmation in the temple. So I know he knows who I am. That is all that matters. And for the most part, once I received that confirmation, it was like all of the negative comments, they just kind of bounced off. And now I'm, you know, I'm four years into my transition and I have heard pretty much everything in the book Nothing. nothing. I don't take anything personally. Um, but I guess the most important thing is just, like, when you know who you are and when you know that God knows who you are, nothing else matters. And that, to me, was that was what got me through all of the hate. It, so it still gets me through um, just, like, people being afraid of what they don't understand.
0: That's very helpful. Talk about your current relationship with your parents.
1: Oh, it is... So good. Um, you know, I never thought that my parents would ever call me Emmett. I never thought that they would use my, my pronouns. Um, and I'm actually, I'm the oldest of seven kids. Um, but my brother, who is two years younger than me, he uh, at one point told me that he would never, never uh, use my pronouns uh, or call me Emmett when I first came out and now my family is just it's they're so supportive my my parents you know refer to me as their son and uh my dad always introduces me to people you know this is my son Emmett and and um my uh my siblings have told me that you know they feel like you know you've always been our brother it just feels weird to even think of you as anything but our brother and uh and my brother, he, you know, he, um, does use my name and my pronouns and his, he now, uh, he has a son. And so he always refers to me as uncle Emmett. So that means a lot to me. And, um, even this, this past year, I had a really good conversation with my dad and he's just said, you know, yeah, it's taken us some time to get used to it because for t- 21 years, you were our daughter, uh, and it was this totally caught us by surprise. Um, and, but he, you know, he, he was like, but you know, I'm, the more I see you as Emmett, uh, and how happy I see you, I, I it's getting easier for me. It's getting easier for me to, to call you by your name and use your male pronouns. And, uh, you know, you're my son and, and, uh, I never thought that I'd hear those kinds of things come out of my dad's mouth. And he's told me that he's proud of me. And, uh, my parents and I, we, we have a much stronger relationship than than we did even before my transition when I was in high school. Like we're, I, I'm so grateful for them and and I love them so much. And I'm, I'm just grateful that I have parents who do love me and accept me as their son, because I know a lot of, trans people whose parents don't, and it's very, very bad and unfortunate.
0: How old are you, Emmett, 20? I am 25. So this is roughly four years your parents have been on this road. Yes. Yeah. What advice do you have, and your parents are LDS, active LDS, I believe, what advice do you have for LDS parents of transgender children?
1: So there's no manual <laughs> for what to do when your child comes out as trans. Um, what I can say is there are lots of parents out there who do have trans kids and they're, you know, on Facebook in these groups, part of affirmation, mama Dragons. Um, there's lots of groups out there. So there is lots of support. There are more, parents out there with trans kids than you would think, actually. Um, But also, I guess I'd just say, please just listen to your child and believe them. And I know, like, I, when I came out to my parents, I had to put myself in their shoes. I knew that it was not going to do anybody any good if I started demanding that they use my name and and they use my pronouns and if they don't, then, you know, they're lost and I'm not going to speak to them. And I'm, I, I did not take that approach at all. I knew it was going to be a transition for my parents as well because again, I've had my whole life to come to terms with this. I've had my whole life to deal with this. They were just finding out and they had, for 21 years, they had, they had this life planned for me. They had these dreams uh, for me as their daughter that I would grow up to be uh, a wife and a mother and give them children. And they, they just, I had been my dad's little girl. I, you know, I, they had this whole life planned for me in their minds. And I took it away from them, basically. And said, I'm sorry, but really I'm your son. And so they they needed I had to give them time to, to mourn the loss of a daughter, to grieve, you know, the loss of their daughter and to to let her go and then to just be patient with them and eventually come to realize, okay, we don't have a daughter anymore but we do have a son and there are new dreams and aspirations that we have for him now and i think what really helped was that they saw that when i when i started my transition i was so happy and they see me now four years later and they're just like they can see how visibly happy i am how much my transition has changed me, how it has saved my life and all of the good things that I'm doing with my life since I've transitioned. So
0: honestly, I
1: I think one of the most important things is to just listen to your child because their, their mental health and their emotional well being is so important. And if they are not feeling comfortable in their bodies, they, they need to be believed um, because I I tell people when they're when they're like, I just I can't understand how you can feel the way that you do. How, how do you how does how do you feel like you don't fit in your body? You don't match your body. And I tell them, like, I'll say to men, um, OK, well. Why don't you, you know, imagine you you went to bed and the next morning you woke up. And you had boobs, like, how would you feel? And they were like, Oh, Oh, I would feel gross. That would just not feel right. And I was like, that's a yeah, that's exactly how I felt like every day waking up with breasts. And it was just like, this is not, you should not be here. This is, this is not me. And so when I try and, I feel like everyone needs to try and and see things from each other's perspectives. And, um, and if your child comes out to you as trans, it is more than okay for you to take time to deal with it. It is more than okay for you to, to say, look, I need some, some time. I need, I, I need some time to think. I need some time to process. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if I can use your name and pronouns right now. But... I, I just need to think, but please be kind to them. And even if it's hard, like for my parents at first, it was hard for them to switch from she pronouns to he pronouns. So instead of switching to those pronouns, they would just use like neutral, like they, or they wouldn't even use pronouns at all because they just, they didn't want to mess up, but they also didn't want to like, they just weren't comfortable with it yet. So we didn't even use pronouns when I first came out. Um, and sometimes like, if you can't, if you can't use their, their name, their preferred name, uh, quite yet, nicknames are great or just abbreviations. Uh, I know some people couldn't get used to calling me Emmett. So they just called me E for a while. Um, you know, try and, I, I, it's going to be hard for everybody, but try and come up with, uh, a common common ground, something that you both can agree on so that you're both at least somewhat happy. Uh, but again, it's, you have, you have the right to, to mourn and to process.
0: I hope that helps. <laughs> That's very helpful. And um, just to comment on transitioning and I try not to, you know, there's top surgery and bottom surgery. So I, I'm not going to ask Emmett in this podcast or even privately about the medical surgery he may have not, may or may not have had. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, it doesn't make him more trans or less trans. I just accept Emmett as a transgender man. Um, and maybe, and so I would encourage most of us not to sort of go there. <laughs> now mm-hmm. there might be a situation where a close friend of Emmett or a transgender person asks Emmett some more personal details in a trusted situation that Emmett feels comfortable talking about. But that, I just, that's the way I manage that listeners. I just, that's a very personal thing and it doesn't really affect to me how I treat or process Emmett. Um, so I try to train my mind not to go there. And so we won't go there in this podcast. (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask about, you know, I, what would you say to someone and I know you've heard this, I'm not making something up new, that this is just a sign of the last days and Satan is confusing people. So this is you're because of Satan's influence and I believe he's real and wants to destroy us, Emmett, that he has confused you. And you are under the influence of Satan and that's why you're trans. I'm sure you've I'm sure I'm not saying something you haven't heard before, and how would you answer that?
1: <laughs> I have heard that so many times. Um, I actually, I would like to read something that I wrote in response to this because I have had this, um, brought up so many times that I had to, uh, and I had to reply so many times. Um, so I ended up writing it down so I could share it. Um, Give me a second to pull it up. And uh, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, good. All right. So a lot of times I get people telling me that um, I'm confused or that I've been deceived or they'll quote the family of proclamation to the world to me and try to use it against me. Um, and when I tell people that I actually do support the Family Proclamation to the world, people are like, "What?" So um, this is this is what I believe. Um, I believe the gender is an eternal characteristic. I was a male spirit before this life. I came to Earth in a female body for a reason, and I will be male after this life and for eternity. Why? The fall, the imperfections of the world. God does not make mistakes, but he allows imperfections to happen. My spirit is perfect. My body is not. I needed to wear glasses because my eyes didn't function properly. Now I don't need them because I've, I've had LASIK. Growing up, I used to uh, I used to need an inhaler when my lungs failed to work. This human vessel that carries my spirit is imperfect. I don't believe God made me transgender. I believe I was born this way. He allowed it to happen. I believe something physical happened in the womb. The imperfections of this physical world are why I was born the way that I am. And that's what I believe. God is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. I truly believe that. So then, why does he allow our bodies to be flawed? Why are some people born blind? And why do some people's lungs not work without the help of an inhaler or oxygen machine? Why are people born without limbs and why do people have seizures and other ailments? Why are our bodies so imperfect when our spirits are perfect? Why do some people's bodies not match their perfect spirit? Why does my body's sex not match my spirit's gender? simply because of the fall, because of the imperfections of this world, not because God made a mistake in creating any of us. We are all given our own trials, and we are also given tools, medicines, treatments, etc., to be able to handle them. So in summary, yes, gender is an eternal characteristic, and my gender has been and always will be male. Our spirits are perfect. Our bodies are perfect are imperfect and my male spirit was born into a female body for a reason and a lot of people ask me if uh if i like still have a testimony of the gospel a lot of people ask like it was it was actually really funny. When I first came out, everyone just assumed that, oh, you don't have a testimony anymore. Oh, you, you don't believe in God anymore. Oh, you must be a heathen, all these things. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Me coming out as trans does not change any of that. It does not change my personality. It does not change my beliefs. It does I've been trans my whole life. I'm just coming out and saying it. I still have a very strong relationship with God, with my heavenly father. I talk to him every day and everything that I have done in my life, I have done with him by my side. I love my savior, Jesus Christ. I have a very strong testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many things that I believe I served a mission. And and when you serve a mission, there are just, there are things that you can't, deny. And there are things that I know to be true that I will never, ever deny. Of course, there are things within the church that I don't agree with, but I do still have a very strong testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And usually when I share this stuff, people are just kind of like shocked because they're they're expecting me to lash out or to just completely uh, like disown God and, and, and just say, you know, I'm done with everything. I'm done with church. I'm done with being spiritual. I'm done with God. I'm done with Jesus Christ, all of that. And, and it's, that's not the case for me. I don't speak badly about the church. I don't feel like that helps people. I, I don't go on rants. Um, I just simply share my beliefs and I try to spread a, a, me- a message of positivity. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: That's really good. And you're a really good writer. You have a great way to communicate your feelings verbally, like you're doing in this podcast or with writing or with media. Um, I'm writing a book, um, come out in fall of 2020. The working title is ministering to our LGBTQ Mm -hmm. members, and I've asked for a lot of people's help to bring content to the book. And um, one mother of a trans she's an LDS mother. She's the ward release society teacher um, wrote this in to me is um, and it's the title of this post "Is Satan wants to destroy us, which I agree with. Um, and her comment is, I don't believe Satan work is to deceive people into being LGBTQ and said, Satan takes these precious children of God. And she's talking about you here, Emmett, and all our LGBTQ members, and tells them they are worthless. He tells them there's no place for them in God's plan. He tells them God no longer loves them. He resides in their shame. Satan also resides in our fears, knowing that our fears will hinder our ability to truly love. His goal is to tear families apart and drive people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is succeeding, not because this group has been deceived and are now gay trans, he is succeeding, but because he is keeping us from coming together as the body of Christ, and loving with more Christ-like love, we could do better to help heal these members who are hurting and 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 feel they have a no place with us. Every member is vital. Without them, we cannot function as a church to its fullest potential. The answer is to overcome Satan um, and strengthen their fam. The answer is the the answer to overcoming. Satan's strength in our families and bringing people to Christ is to love. So I love that. And it's wow. very consistent. <laughs> Even got a wow. <laughs> you. It's very consistent.
1: Yeah, no, that was beautifully written.
0: And so I've learned that um, as I've tried to, this comes back to my journey about my reprogramming my hard drive. I felt impressed that I should listen to trans people um, and I should listen to LDS parents of LGBTQ kids because they've been praying really, really hard for a long time on how to meet the spiritual needs of their kids that are LGBTQ. And so those two voices, you've been really helpful for me. And I invite all our listeners not to have the trap of under opinions, is what I've coined it as. Is just, mm-hmm. I shouldn't, I should either say I don't know anything about trans people, which would be fine. <laughs> Or I should not develop any opinions about trans people until I sort of do do what I would call due diligence um, by really reading trans people's stories, listening to a podcast like this, and so that's where you're helping Emmett, and, and I love where your parents are. For our listeners, that we have more podcasts from our, on trans our transgender Latter Day Saints, um, you can go to Listen, Learn, and Love dot org. That's our website. And across the top, there's a link called podcast. And now, since we have about 190 podcasts, there's a drop-down link there where there's podcasts by category, so you can find other podcasts about our transgender Latter-day Saints. Um, I wanted. I had a couple more. Well, I just am crossing off my list here. <laughs> Talk <laughs> about. Um, you know I, i'm not a, i used to be a ysa bishop and i'm not anymore um, for our listeners i think they know i'm an active member of the church and support our leaders and our doctrine and not advocating for any changes i just think we can do better to minister to our lgbtq members but so i don't have access to the handbook anymore and maybe you don't either i guess you don't but you may just be where where's the church sort of draw a line in um, all these stages of transition i i believe the the top and bottom surgeries, um, a no-no um, as far as the handbook. I can't, but can you confirm that? Can you just tell our listeners if you want to, so, and maybe you don't want to speak for the church because neither of us are our f- church leaders.
1: No. You know, so actually, um, I, uh, and I, I did talk about this on one of my recent, actually my most recent YouTube video um, and it's it's called my positive experience with the Mormon Church. I, I had a very I've had a very positive experience with the church uh, throughout my transition. And uh, I through my transition, I was very open with all of my bishops. I came out to them as trans. I told them my story. I uh, went by the book with everything that I did in my transition because I did not want to be excommunicated, or disciplined. And so I was allowed to start testosterone. One of my bishops gave me permission to to start hormone therapy. Uh, I was allowed to come to church in a suit and a tie. I was allowed to be called Brother Claren. I was allowed to attend priesthood. I... Uh, I was allowed to have top surgery. Um, Basically where the line was drawn was uh, I did. So I went to one of my state presidents um, and asked him about changing my, my legal name in the church records and, and my gender marker as well. And he was able to change my legal name because I had gotten it legally changed on my driver's license and all of that. So in church records, my name is Emmett Michael Claren, but he was not able to change my gender. So in church records, it still says that I'm female. And I asked him if there was any way for me to be able to change that. And, uh, he ended up contacting like church headquarters to see what we could do uh, to see if like I needed to be rebaptized or was un- like under my new name or what, and they told him like no, it's not that's not going to work. Uh, it, it basically, just said there's there's no option really right now. We're, like they're still trolled, still trying to figure out how to handle like the trans situation. So I was not allowed to change my gender marker. And also, I was not allowed to hold the priesthood i I did have a few bishops who said to me, you know if i if i could if I could give you the priesthood, I would because you're you're worthy., uh, but I cannot hold the priesthood because in church records, I am still seen as a female. Uh, and then the only other thing that would like be grounds for discipline is if I were to have bottom surgery, um, because according to the church handbook, I could be disciplined. It's not like a guarantee, but it is cause for disciplinary action. So, yeah, that's that's basically where it's at. Like I've been able to do everything in my transition, all of my surgeries. Uh, and not be disciplined. Um and I, I I I know it's also there's this thing of Bishop Roulette, you know, it's up to your bishop. I know a lot of trans people who have had bishops who won't even let them start hormones. Um and then other bishops of course are very, very affirming. So it kind of depends who your bishop is. Uh but I, I always just tried to be very authentic and open, and I let myself be very vulnerable when I was meeting with them just to let them see you know, who I am, and uh, I feel very, very blessed.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Um, it's very helpful yeah. for me, and um, I love the way you've been open with these bishops and stake presidents, and you've kind of been trying to figure out this together because it is uncharted water. And I recognize the handbook is not have a set answer on everything. And then it does come down sometimes to local leaders and their interpretation. And sometimes as the trans community knows, that's listening, you get different interpretations from different bishops and, and that can be a little unsettling. You wish there were more consistency and I just yeah. frame it up. We've got more work to do. I'll let the general councils of the church be in charge of that, um, I don't sort of have standing there to say how this should work and what more we should do. But I, I do feel like um, in Corinthians 12 that the body of Christ, that all, every member is needed, including our trans members. And they have unique gifts and contributions to the body of Christ. And I hope um, that we're able to do a better job of meeting the spiritual needs of our trans members, not only for them, but so that they can they can be part of our community to help us do better. Um, that's, you know, and I I sometimes call the nice, tidy box. If I can explain away you being trans by some other thing like uh, all these different things that maybe try to explain this way, it it may keep life for me in a nice, tidy box. But And then I don't have to minister to you. I don't have to sort of step into the space of, the dissonance that might come from recognizing the trans experience is pretty authentic and real, because if I go there, then I recognize I have a stewardship responsibility to bear more and comfort as part of my baptism covenant. So that's one of the journeys for me is if I could just dismiss this away to you being confused by the water you drink in Minnesota at age four, and that's why you're trans, <laughs> then that makes everything, I, it's kind of makes everything nice and tidy for me. And, but if I recognize this is really an authentic thing, then it, it shifts my responsibility for you. And I think more of our members are doing that and recognizing that, you know, you're a brother, um, and we have responsibility to minister to you. So I, this is kind of a complicated, beautiful story. But you're one of my heroes, um, oh, and you need to hear. You're that. one of mine. <laughs> well, you need to hear that from me because I speak for our listeners that. You have walked a really hard road, Claren, and it seems like, I mean, Emmett, it seems like you've tried to do the right thing your whole life with your life growing up and dealing with depression and this dysphoria, serving a mission, faithfully serving, um, recognizing that you were kind of choosing between suicide um, or going through this transition. And, um, so I just compliment you for the decisions you've made in trying to stay close to the church and involve your priesthood leaders and speak about your experience to help others and also for your family and that they've are, seems like a wonderful family story. I also recognize that you'd call yourself straight now. We Before the podcast, I asked Emmett if he's interested in girls or boys and He's interested in girls. And since he's male, that makes you straight. Is that correct? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I didn't understand that. I had to ask somebody how that all worked. But just so our listeners understand so Emmett being a transgender man, that's, you'd first talk about where someone's, you know, gender identity is. Um, I'm male. Emmett's male. We're both attracted to women. So we're both straight. Um, And so that's kind of the way. That works. I think is that true for most transgender people? Is that how they process it?
1: Yeah, yeah. If that's how they identify, then yes. So there's a lot of there's so there's because sexual orientation and gender identity are two completely different things. So you can have straight trans men. You can have gay trans men. You can have lesbian trans women and straight trans women just like you can have straight cisgender women and, and, and lesbian cisgender women. It's, it's, so, and I, I, I guess a lot of, there's, there's people who didn't know that that was like possible that, oh yeah, you can have a, a straight trans man and a gay trans man. You can have a bi trans man, you know, all of these, cause sexual attraction is not yeah uh, gender identity.
0: And so that's very helpful and it was confusing to me at first. So if there's listeners that are kind of scratching their head, that's okay. <laughs> You're still listening <coughs> to the podcast and trying to learn. And I just start with gender identity first, so I try to figure out someone's gender identity. And um, Emmett's male and then I you know, I, you don't always need to learn all this, but if you do, then sex then I'd ask Emmett's sexual orientation. I know Emmett's male already, and I know now that he's attracted to women, so that would make him straight. And you're right, a transgender man, his gender identity first could be attracted to men, and that would make him gay, just like you said. So um, I thought I had to Google cisgender finally about three years ago, Emmett, because I recognized (laughs) that was a word I didn't even understand. So I went and typed in cisgender in a Google search engine and and that realized that's the opposite of being trans. And so that's just part of my journey. We're kind of coming to the end. I don't have any other questions. Do you have any final things you'd like to share with our listeners? Um... And one of the things is we don't, you know, one of the things that any LDS LGBTQ person sometimes becomes the poster child for how this works. Mm-hmm. So, Sometimes our celibate um gay men, we kind of we even make sometimes church videos about them are celibate gay women and and we sort of make them the poster child for the LGBTQ LDS experience and I think I'm always nervous about doing that. I think every story is different and every journey is different and not everybody that's celibate is are gonna be able to stay celibate and Not everybody that's currently active will always be able to stay active in the church. So I've wanted this podcast to sort of bring all these stories, but not use them in a way that I think it can give vision to other people on how to walk this path. But I never want one story to be used against somebody and say, this is how you do the LGBTQ experience. Do it like Emmett or do it like this person or that person. Any comments on that idea from you?
1: Yeah. I, for the longest time, I was kind of pegged as the, the, uh, Trans-Mormon poster boy, uh, and kind of. At least we I, called I you tried... a boy.
0: Oh, what was that? <laughs> At least we called your right, gender, the poster boy. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, I still, I get, I still get so excited when people call me, sir. <laughs> We're call it you... makes me so happy.
0: <laughs> All right. Keep talking. I interrupted you.
1: You're good. Um, so yeah, for that was for the longest time and I actually, you know, when it, it started getting harder to go to church, uh, cause I was, I was actively going, as, attending as a trans man and, um, but it, it just got harder and harder as time went on, you know, I was passing and people were asking me, Hey, could you come up and help us pass the sacrament? And I, I'd always have to say, uh, no, I, I can't, uh, and I'd, I'd have to say, like, I, I don't have the priesthood or some, or just I can't. And then, you know, their eyebrows would be raised and they'd be wondering, oh, why, why, why can't he pass the sacrament? Why doesn't he have the priesthood? What did he do? You know, and, and so people would talk about me and try and figure out what I did or, you know, why I don't have the priesthood. And, it, you know, it would come out that I was trans and I just felt really uncomfortable in church. And I felt like I couldn't just go and worship and feel the spirit because people were talking about me or looking at me or, you know, just, I, I felt really judged and I I just did not, it, 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 what was once a very positive, safe uh, space for me, just became very uh, uncomfortable. And so I really wanted to stop going, but I kept going because I was trying to, you know, give hope to other, Trans men and other trans people within the church. I was trying to be a good example and show them that, yes, you can still go to church, you know, and you can be yourself and you can feel the spirit and be welcomed into a ward. And, uh, and I, so I let myself be very uncomfortable for many months, uh, so that I could give hope to other people. And I think I stayed too long, uh, because I just, I, 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 had, I had to stop. I had to, cause I had so much anxiety building around going to church. So, uh, but I, again, I didn't want to because I felt like I needed to be an example for other people. And so I think it's important that we realize that people's journeys are always changing and that's okay. And like for me right now, I feel closest to God when I'm in the mountains, uh, hiking, or I'm on the beach by the ocean, somewhere in nature. And that's, that's where I, you know, feel like I can feel spiritual, uh, rather than sitting in a church pew feeling judged or talked about. Um, but I, you know, I do want to go back because I really miss it. I I miss the sense of community. I miss feeling the spirit in church. I miss the messages and the lessons. I, I, I really miss it. Uh, you know, I was, I grew up in the church. And so I would like to go back, but, you know, I think that it's just, we have to be okay with people, people going through these different trails and paths and their stories. And sometimes, uh, sometimes people leave. Sometimes people come back. Sometimes people don't come back. And that's, that's okay because everyone, is, you know, tr- we're all trying to make it in this big, this big flu world. And I feel like we just need to support each other no matter, no matter where our journeys take us.
0: I agree with that. And our own elders quorum here in Salt Lake city has really taken up that mantle to sort of meet people with where they are and help them feel welcome and, um, not and create a feeling that everybody's welcome at church. There's no belief or behavior hurdle to feel welcome in a congregation. And, and, uh, um, and so I recognize that some people step away for maybe their whole life or maybe just a short period of time. I always invite everybody if they feel like they can to come back. We need you, um, but I honor your journey, and my role in your life isn't going to change if you're in or out. We're all the same human family, and in fact, I loved it. Really like to stay close to people that have stepped away not from an agenda standpoint to bring them back, but just to be close to them so I can continue to be their friend. And and yes, yeah, some of those people sometimes open up with maybe just like you kind of did there, I'd, where you there's some yearnings within you to stay and be a part of the body of Christ. And But you recognize it just doesn't completely work with for you right now as a transgender man, as you've illustrated. So I hope we can do better. Um, I recognize that we've got work to do and and I can say that as a faithful Latter-day Saint. And so you're you're a wonderful guest, Emmett. Um, you have a great life ahead of you. I just uh, you know I hope that all your dreams and hopes happen. Um, you're at a you're at a tender age where you're working on your career and wondering how that's going to work. And I think this God that you felt in the temple that day, that um, you felt multiple times in your life, will continue to guide you and and all of our transgender brothers and sisters, and even those that don't take on brother or sister, because I recognize some that are non-binary, mm-hmm. if I'm using the right language, that even is triggering yes. to label them as brothers and sisters. So sometimes they'll say God's transgender children, because that's more um, gender neutral or our me- transgender members. So um, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks our listeners and Tom, our producer who puts these up and distributes them. And we sure appreciate all you're doing to get the podcast out and shared by others. And this is Richard Osler signing off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.